You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. I'm excited. Hey, it was cool. I've been hearing all these testimonies from uh, the week and from what God is doing, uh, even post-fast. So I just really encourage you. I know the chaos of the week is kind of picking up and you're out of the fast. And but don't like let those things that happen go by. Celebrate those things. Rejoice in those things. I know the week's crazy. Things are crazy. But, man, it's been so cool what God has been doing um, during this fast and during all the things. So I just really want to encourage you guys. And uh, we're, we're in our series. If you're just joining us, you're joining us in week two of four of our Blessed Life series. And uh, it's been really good. Have you guys enjoyed the series so far? Those who were last week? Okay, good. That's about the applause I expect from a tithing series. Uh, <laughs> uh, but last week, I really talked about that there's no condemnation through Christ Jesus, and that we're not talking about legalism, we're talking about the heart. And so last week, if you missed the message, go back again, because sometimes what happens is we miss a week, and so we miss kind of some of the foundation, and so what happens is then there's meetings afterwards, like, why didn't you say this? And I said, I, I did say this, you just weren't here, so I'm just going to encourage you, it's all online, go check it out. If you have time, download it, listen to it in the car as you're driving, uh, good foundation stuff there. So I'm not going to hit all of that, I'm going to teach something kind of special and new, and I want to encourage you, there's a book actually called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris, and and it's, it's really spoken to me a lot of that as I, I've, I've studied in my life about giving and generosity and multiplication. And if you're interested, let me know. I can send you the link for that book. It's, it's a great resource if you want to go even farther than what I'm going to teach you here on a Sunday. So there's lots of great resources, but that's one of them. And uh, I think that this is probably one of the most important principles that you're going to get in this series. So keep coming back, but um, this is probably one of the most crucial. And this is the principle of firsts. And I tell you, when I got a hold of this principle in my life, it really changed my perspective. And again, what I'm talking about is not legalism, and I'm not legalistic. I'm about the heart. We were sharing in our small group this week about, about these topics, and I have just some of, like, the wisest, coolest people in my small group. I got to say, it's, it's awesome. I'm, like, taking notes when they talk, like, preaching about this. <laughs> but I encourage you. Someone said it's not about being legalistic. It's about enriching your life. And that's what I want this morning. I want your life to be enriched. Like, I don't preach about this because I desire some kind of special outcome other than just that your life would be enriched. And uh, the principle of first, it, it's crucially important. It's all through Scripture. And, and why would I say that of all the ones, this is the most important? And it's because if God is first, everything else will come into order. We give you a little calendar with notes, and so I might point you there. Write some stuff down. It's good for your mind and your brain and your eyes and your heart. Uh, but this is the truth. If God is first, everything else comes into order. And I'm, again, I'm not saying you're not going to have difficulty and struggle in your life. In fact, Jesus promises in this world you will have trouble. But what does he say? Take heart, for I have overcome the world. And you kind of got to ask yourself, would I rather go through my troubles with everything in order or out of order? Right, would I rather face the struggle? Do you remember the first struggle you faced when you finally knew Jesus? It was different somehow, huh? There was something about it that was different. It didn't make it not a struggle, not a trial, but there's something different about it. Because if God is first, there's order in your life. If he's not first, everyone with me, there's not order. And he has to be first in order for there to be order. Everyone with me this morning. 
And so again, this is why we say this is a heart series, not a money series. God is concerned with the riches of your heart, not of your hands, in the sense of what is the underlying point of all of these messages. And again, this principle I'm going to teach you, it does not enslave you to legalism. It frees you through a heart with Jesus Christ. It releases you because it brings you into alignment. And so often I think we say things like, I don't know why my relationship seems out of alignment. I don't know why my work, I don't know why my life, I don't know why things seem out of alignment. I don't know why I keep struggling with these things. I don't know why there's this disorder in my life. And oftentimes, not all the time, but a lot of the times when I meet with people and we talk about this, I begin to ask, okay, who's first in your life? And they say, God. And I say, prove it. Just show me. I want to believe you, but I want to see. And so, again, this is about God being first in your life. And it runs through all the scripture, but I'm going to hit some very specific scriptures uh, that I believe that God speaks about this. Good? We're going to hit a ton of scriptures today, but I really uh, believe and I love that we founded our church of being a church that just loves the word of God. And I love that, like, even this, uh, through the time I was at a park at a birthday party and someone was telling me from our church, yeah, I just, like, not hated reading the word, but I, like, didn't love reading the Bible. And it was, like, very honest, and I loved how honest that was. And she's like, but I've been fasting, and I just feel like God has, has begun to speak to me, and I love reading the word now. Now there's seasons, there's ups and downs. Again, don't think like if you don't read the word, you're living in rebellion. But, uh, but now I just love it. And I'm going to keep fasting because I'm just loving it. And I was like, amen, hey, like you and the Lord, whatever you want. But this is all through Scripture. We're going to read some Scripture. So if you brought your Bible, open up to Exodus 13. If not, the words will be on the screen. I'm in the ESV, which is the most spiritual version. But if you have another, don't worry. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It's the extra spiritual version. That's what ESV stands for. Uh, but we're going to pray this morning, and we're going to read Exodus 13. God, I thank you that you're here with us this morning. God, I thank you that as we gather in this place, you're just ministering. God, as Jan and the team are leading, I just sense there's a spirit that says, God, we desire more of you. And so, God, even right now, we just choose to put you first in our mind. As the distractions are coming against us, even right now, we just put you first and say, it's all you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Exodus 13, 1 through 2 in the extra spiritual version says this. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and of beast, is mine. And when God says it's mine, here's what he's saying. It belongs to me. My child says mine all the time, but she and I both know, she knows in her heart that it's not really hers. It's mine. Like, I paid for it. You know, the government taxed me for it. They think it's mine. <laughs> it's mine. So there's an ownership that God's saying. So we're going to skip right here, but, but keep in that mind. It clearly states ownership. It's mine. Let's jump down to verse 12. So we're going from verse 2 to verse 12. We're going to skip the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Jump down a little bit. It says, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So a couple things. Uh, verse 12, he's saying, set apart to the Lord's. He's saying it shall be, at the end of verse 12, shall be the Lord's. Again, same language as verse 1. It's he's saying, this is mine. In verse 13, he says, you'll either redeem it or you'll break its neck, which is the clever way of God saying you're going to lose it either way, and you decide if it's through sacrifice or through destruction, kind of like how you want to do it. Again, 
I know we all know a lot about donkeys, but I'm going to keep moving. Um, and, and again, you're, you're going to see something here as we read this about the lamb and about sacrifices. If, you're, if you know Jesus, you're going to skip ahead, but kind of roll with me here a little bit and, and stay with me. Because I think if we can get this principle, it's going to encourage you that Jesus was not a plan B. That from the beginning of scripture, God has been preparing the hearts of man for what Jesus is going to do. Good? And that it's not like all of this stuff about sheep and lambs was like, Oh, yeah. Hey, Jesus, when you go down, stay, say a lot of stuff about sheep because I've been saying that for 4,000 years, and you need to kind of tie the two together. So it's been forever. But this is a principle that I want us to get a hold of together is a principle of fruits, first fruits, and it comes from here, comes from these verses, and there's three points I want to hit. The very first point is this. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. All the firstborn children are like, oh, no. This is a principle that's all throughout Scripture from beginning to end. And it's not just for this time. It's for all times. And I, and I love that because, again, if we encountered stuff randomly throughout the Bible that they were like, oh, yeah, we just stopped believing in that, we'd be concerned. But the Bible is the living word of God, and God has, has, been, has been building and walking and speaking since the beginning of time. And so he says the firstborn either has to be sacrificed or redeemed. So how do you know if it's supposed to be sacrificed or redeemed? Right, what firstborns are sacrificed, what firstborns are redeemed. And so Exodus, in that verse, if you're looking at your Bible, it gives you in verse 13 an example of which animal should be sacrificed and which should be redeemed. And they're symbolic. Uh, they're both literal and symbolic simultaneously. Is that It says there's a donkey and there's a lamb. So a donkey is the unclean animal. And so the unclean animal represents being unclean and has to be redeemed. The sheep is a clean animal, and so the sheep has to be sacrificed to redeem the unclean, right? When an animal gives birth, you sacrifice the firstborn. So the sheep gives birth, and that sheep is sacrificed to redeem the animal, the donkey that gives birth, and it's unclean. Are you still with me? Are we good so far? You're like, no, I don't care about sheep and donkeys at all. Trust me, you're going to care because this does actually relate to us. Because let me, let me ask two questions that I think it will bring it together here for us. Is Were you and I born before God spiritually clean or unclean? Unclean. People are just like, I'm not sure. It, what is your natural state before God, clean or unclean? We say unclean. People are like, I don't understand. Okay, let me, parents, let me ask you a question. Did you, do you have to teach your kids to be good or be selfish? Good. They know selfish, right? <laughs> like kids know how to lie. They know how to be selfish. They know how to strike other children with toys. Like they know that. That they've got. The rest of it we have to teach them, right? Because we're born with what the Bible calls a sin nature. Okay, second question then. Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Clean. So then the clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. Is this making sense? This is how important this principle is. is this was spoken thousands of years ago, but it applies to you and I right now. Is that the clean had to be sacrificed to redeem the unclean. But what's interesting is we're not just talking about Jesus. We're talking about tithing because all of these things relate to our heart and God's desire for our heart. 
So from the beginning of time, God has been speaking to our hearts, desiring them to be united with him. The clean had to be sacrificed to redeem the unclean. Let me put it this way. Jesus is God's tithe. Because you give the tithe first. You, you don't pay the bills and see if there's enough left. You give the first 10%. It, get, it takes faith to give the tithe. It takes faith to give it first. When God says, when you have sheep, give the first one. What he's not saying is in the scriptures, wait till there's 10. And if there's 10, give me the one that you're okay parting with. The one that keeps butting and knocking over the kids. Give me that sheep. He's saying, give me the first one before you know that there's even going to be any more. So why the first one? Because the first one takes faith. The first one takes faith. The tenth one's a numbers game. The first one takes faith. See, follow me here. 10% is important, but the 10%, that part doesn't enact the blessing. Faith enacts the blessing. Because faith speaks to your heart. We get a little hung up on 10%. I spoke on 10%. It's an important principle. But again, it's not the number. It's not these things that enact it. It's the faith that enacts the blessing from God. See, because God gave his tithe first. He gave Jesus first. Romans 5.8, one of my favorite scriptures says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Before. Before. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. While we were still mocking and spitting and beating and crucifying the Son of God. Before, it wasn't like you got to get this cleaned up. You got to be this pure. You got to be this worthy. And then I'm going to give them my son. If they get their act together, now I'm going to get it. Give them my son. If they're worthy enough, now I'm going to sacrifice. It says, no, the, I sacrificed the clean for the unclean so they might be redeemed while they were still beating him in the head and crucifying him on the cross. I gave the clean to redeem the unclean. That's what he did for us. 1 Peter 1.18 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the, way of the em from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Read these words. A lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised you from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in Jesus. See, Jesus was the spotless lamb. Jesus was the clean. They, were, they came to redeem me, the unclean. See, the donkey, they don't know how good they have it, right? Because every firstborn of them that's born unclean, a, a spotless lamb has to die. Christ died for me before I even know how good I had it. Salvation from him. Because God gave Jesus in hope and in faith, and this brought redemption for the rest. See, we give our tithe in faith. It's an act of faith, not legalism. And I think redemption is such an important concept in our whole life because if you can understand redemption, you understand that you can't earn it, but you'll understand that there's something about redeeming that is so close to the heart of God. Did you know that? That redemption is just so close to the heart of God. I've seen God redeem some relationships that I thought, 
There's no way this is ever coming back together. But God is a redeemer. Israel, when they came into the promised land, God said to them, he said this, he said, take all of the riches from Jericho, it was the first city, all the riches, and bring them in to the house of God. The church, that's the house of God. And in Joshua 6, he says, bring it all in. But why doesn't he say 10%? I think this is interesting. It's, it's because Jericho was the first. They, they didn't know how many cities they were going to conquer. They didn't know how many riches were coming. They'd been in the desert for years. But God says, bring all of the first into the storehouse. Because the first portion is the redemptive portion. Follow me. The first portion is the redemptive portion. See, when you give God first, the rest is redeemed. I'm going to say it again so you hear me because it's important in your life. When you give God the first, the rest is redeemed. Again, I'm not saying money is evil, like you got to do this so God bless the rest of your money so it doesn't rise up and kill you. But what is evil? The root of money is evil. What's at the root? The heart. My heart, my heart is the problem. A dollar bill is non-sentient. It cannot think. It cannot do anything. It's my heart that decides where I'm going to place it, what I'm going to do with it. And so I can say I'm going to give to Visa first, but re Visa cannot redeem the rest. I can give to my mortgage company first, but the mortgage company cannot redeem the rest. It cannot bless my finances. It can relieve my finances. It cannot bless them. And so it's, what are we giving first? The first portion goes to God. Second thing, the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits, if you're taking note, the first fruits must be offered. In the Bible, it puts first fruits all as one word. Ironically, in word, it refuses to let me do that. But first fruits must be offered. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barn will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Okay, this in Proverbs this is not under the law. This is a principle. I'm just going to keep coming back that runs all through scripture to enrich your life and your heart. Exodus 23:19 it says, "Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil." Some say the first of the first fruits. It says the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. So it's not only the first fruits, but the best of the first fruits. Bring them, note that word, bring them into the house of the Lord your God. Last week in Malachi, we read that God said, bring it in, bring the tithe into the house of God. And I've had some good conversations this week about um, churches in a building. And I agree, as, a, as an infrastructure, large church, like church in itself, what Christ created is not a building. But I want to encourage you that when he's talking about bringing the storehouses, the church always has a home. It always has a gathering. It always has a collection. So I just wanted to clarify for you, the church always has a home. This home happens to be a literal building. So we have a building. If this is the church you go to, then this is the place. And, and it comes in and it's brought in. So when he's talking to the house of God, some churches meet, have met in cemeteries. Some churches have met in tents, in homes, and all kinds of things. That The house of God is always housed. Are you with me? So he's singing, bring it to the house of God, and I'm not here to dictate your legalism. I'm just translating. And it's interesting. He says, bring it and not give it. See, we don't say give your tithe. We say bring your tithe, and why is that? 
because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. According to scripture, you got two choices with the tithe. You can bring it or you can steal it. Again, I'm so glad I didn't write this book. <laughs> in, in the book of Joshua, uh, Israel takes Jericho, right? I shared about that. And he says, bring all the silver and gold into the house of God. And he tells them, bring it in. And in Joshua 6, it says the tithe is consecrated or devoted. He says, bring it all in. It's consecrated or devoted. But they didn't bring the full tithe in. And because they didn't bring it in, they lost the next city. And so then we see in the next chapter, Joshua 7, 11, if you're taking notes, you can write it down, look it up later. It says, God says Israel has stolen from him. Because Achan had taken some of the, the golden riches and had put it in his tent because he thought, I risked my life to take this city I worked for it. Who's God to tell me that I'm supposed to give it? I'm going to put it and bury it under my tent. Uh, it didn't end super great for him. But I think it's a, there's a principle for us here is that if it's given to God, it's devoted, it's consecrated. If it's kept in our tent, it's stolen, and God says that it's cursed. So if I'm thinking about my own life, why would I want something in my wallet, in my bank account, in my home that's cursed? Like, don't you think that your wallet already has enough holes in it already? Don't you think your bank account already has enough problems that you don't need to put things in it that are outside of the blessing of God? Like, if you tell me I cannot pay, my bank account is so messed up, my encouragement to you would be like, get the curse out of it. If you came to me and said my leg is messed up and I, there was something, get it out and get, get healthy. Again, this is a principle that God has given to us for our heart. Because it's all about faith. Follow me. This is what Aiken didn't think about. This is what I missed in my own life sometimes. Is that it's all about faith. In whom have you put your faith? Because it takes faith to believe that 90% with the blessing of God goes further than 100% without it. 90% with the blessing of God goes further than 100% without it. I like someone in our small group shared, I'm going to share with you, that these are not conditions of salvation. They're expressions of it. There are ways that we show that we're really putting our money where our mouth is. And so I just encourage you, don't feel convicted, feel challenged. Okay, anyone here ever heard of Cain and Abel? You've heard of them? Good. Okay, good. Like, this is kind of a base. Uh, have you ever wondered why God accepted one offering but not the other? Have you ever wondered why God did not accept Cain's offering? You ever, so Cain, Abel, we're going to look at this a second. God accepts one, doesn't accept the others. Maybe you've just thought your whole life, I don't know, maybe God doesn't like vegans. It's understandable. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. It's just, vegans are just Daniel fasting their whole life, and we love you. Praise God. You're so spiritual. Um... <laughs> It's funny the jokes that work in Seattle that change when you come here. Um, <laughs> but I want to read to you Genesis uh, chapter 4 because I think it's going to enlighten this principle with one kind of last solid idea for us here. And it's Genesis 4.3, and it says this. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Okay, so in the course of time, 
So over time, Cain brings an offering. So there's no mention of first fruits here. We don't know. But then it says in verse 4, and Abel also brought of the firstborn, this is where God specifies, the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portion. So not only the first, but the best of the first. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. So here's what happened. Cain was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd or like a rancher, right? And Cain, didn't, it says, we're not told if he brought the first, but by the deep specification of Abel bringing the first, we assume Cain did not bring the first. And so Abel brings the firstborn, and Cain brings an offering. And God says, I will accept this, the first, but I won't regard, or I won't, or I can't accept this. He says, I'll accept this one, but I won't accept this one. And we think like, wow, why? God, I mean, there's only four people on the earth. Like, maybe don't be so petty, <laughs> right? There's four people of all time. This is the fourth person to try to figure this out. And not like their parents are great examples. You know, like, we can give them a little break. But I think this is important. It's not that God wouldn't accept it. It's that God couldn't accept it. And again, I'm going to say some things here, so don't check out for half of this and then, and then you know, believe that I'm a heretic, so follow me here. There are some things that God cannot do. So God is all powerful. There's some things that cannot, God cannot do. God cannot be outside of himself, meaning this, God cannot contradict his own character. Are you with me? Okay, follow those things. There's some things God cannot do. He cannot contradict himself. He cannot be anti-himself because he is himself. Right, there's things God cannot do. Follow me here. Uh, we've done a study on the names of God, uh, and, and I love this study in small groups. It's so good because you learn the character of God. But there's some things God cannot do. God cannot change. This is called the immutability of God, right? If God could change, then he could improve. And since God is perfect, he can't, like, get better with age, right? Second thing, God can't think the way we think. God thinks, but he can't think the way we think. Because we think to solve problems, to find solutions, to get answers, right? But God has all the answers. So he's not trying to figure it out. Like he's not looking at your life like, man, you're like, God, help me figure it out. And he's like, yeah, man, give me a week because this is a mess. Like nothing, like, he's not like untangling you. I still can't do a Rubik's Cube, you know what I mean? But God, I mean, God knows everything, right? So he says in Isaiah 58, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Because as, high, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are your thoughts. God can't be second. This is called the preeminence of God. This is important. See, God is first. God is above all. God is greater than all. Right? He's before all. God is great. God is mighty. God is the best. God is first. And you might say, God's not first in my life. But God is still first in the universe. God is still first. God is still first. Hear me. Your heart does not dictate the order of the universe. If you don't put him first, he's still first. He's not out of alignment, right? God can't be second. I think that's important because God could not accept Cain's offering because God is always first and Cain did not bring a first offering. 
So God can't accept a second place position or a second place offering because it puts him second. And again, God is first. And I think this principle applies to our heart and it applies to tithing because God is first. God gave Jesus first. Remember last week I talked about the, the, the church is the bride of Christ. So maybe Jesus takes tithing a little more seriously than we do. But this week I want to say if God is first and if he gave Jesus first and if the Bible says it's about the first, then tithing might be a little more personal to God than we give him credit. The third thing this morning, the tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. If you're taking notes, write it down. Amen. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. The word holy we talked about last week, it means set apart. So he's saying it's set apart for God. So if it's set apart from God, if we take it, we're stealing it from God. It's stealing it if we keep it. God owns it. We are returning it to him. Follow me here. It's so important. We're returning it to him. And so if we're returning it, we have to return it first. Because if I keep it and decide when I return it to him, then I am telling God the order of what things should be. In which case, I am telling God who is God. And so, again, the, the principle that he's trying to show us is that it goes first. See, tithing has represented in life who's first since the dawn of time. Isn't that interesting? I, I find the struggle. I don't know if it's, if it's just me, but it'll like, I'll read the Bible and be like, yeah, that's so true. Since the dawn of time, thousands of years, it's so true. It represents first. And then it gets to me, and I'm like, ah, it's probably not true about me because I'm just still working it out. I'm the only stubborn person in here, so awesome. Um, but it's true since the beginning of time that whatever is first is wherever your heart is set upon, right? See, you can tell me that God is first in your life, but I'll ask you, let me see your bank account. Because if he's first in your home, if he's first in your family, if he's first in your, he'll be first in your bank account. And if you immediately go like, no, I don't need that, I don't need that, I don't need that, then the, the answer is he's not first, and I don't say that to convict you, but to say as the process of constantly walking the journey of Jesus Christ, there's many areas in our life where we always have to ask, is he first? And you always got to put your money where your mouth is. If you say he's first to him, but you don't put your money where your mouth is, God's like, well, maybe the NFL team shop is first. Maybe Visa's first. You show me where the first 10% goes, and I'll show you who's first in your life. Because the tithe must be first. Let me, let me give an example. I'm at the band up. I'm going to give an example because I'm not a complicated person. Um, if I didn't do this job, I'd probably like work in the dirt because I, I just love working with my hands. And that would work for me. So I'm going to give you a work with your hands example. Good? Um, I've heard a math example. I'm not a math guy. So God bless you math people. You're amazing. So I hired a bookkeeper because um, I hate math. <laughs> Landscaping examples I can do. Simple numbers, just mostly zeros. I can work with that. So let's say uh, I invite you over and I'm like, hey, you're a landscaper. And I'm like, hey, I need you to give me an estimate. And you come over, you give me an estimate because I'm going to put some trees in my house. And we're going to like weed the backyard with whatever the chemical they use here that just kills 
everything <laughs> that could live. I don't know where they get this stuff from, but it's crazy. And I'm like, okay, come over, come over to my house. And, and you do the estimate, you do the bid, and you say, okay, here's my material, here's my labor, and then here's my profit. Okay, profit is what are you making, right? And you always tithe off, off the increase, so the profit. So you got those three things. So you come and you do the job, and then at the very end, I pay you. So I pay for your materials. I pay for your labor. Maybe you had to get somebody to help you, so we pay for them. And then the last plants, benefit. So for your profit, you've made $1,000 on my house, which would be ton of plants, but let's say we did. I made $1,000 on my house. And so for the profit, I gave you $1,000 bills. Okay. What is the tithe on that? $100. Okay. Which one is the first fruit? The, which one's first? I gave you a stack. Which one's first? The one on the top? No, it's not the one on the top. The first fruit, that was a good, I like that though, Jimmy. <laughs> the first one that leaves your hand is the tithe. And you either tithe that to someone else or you tithe it to God. Follow me here. The first one, the first $100, that is by the principles in the word of God, that's the tithe. Follow me, follow me. So I'm going to encourage you in just a second. The first one that leaves your hand is the tithe. If you keep it, you steal it. If you give it to someone else, I know we'll see how they bless your finances. If you give it to God, you're walking in principle. The first one that leaves your hand. If you go home and you take that, those $100 that I give you and you set some over here for the mortgage, you set some over here uh, you know, for this, and you set some over here for cable and for dish or whatever, and then, and then you go, okay, this is what I got left. I'm going to bring this to the Lord. That's not the first. That's not the tithe when it comes to this principle, when it comes to what the Word of God is saying, which is the only thing I can teach, is that I think that some of us, and I've done this in my own life, and this is where the principle we had to learn and, and really stand with, especially when we got married as young kids, and, and is that I'll set some here, and I'll set someone here, and I'll set someone here, and I'll set someone here, and I'll bring my leftovers to, to the Lord. And we say, yeah, but God loves me. He doesn't judge me. And that's, that's true. That is so true. That is not conditional on your salvation. God does not love you less. God does not, not care for you less. God does not want to heal you less. He does not want to see, you know, you know, redemption in your family less because you do that. So don't hear that. But hear this. It's not the tithe. And when we step into the principle of bringing it first, we step into the blessing of who God is. Because God doesn't want your leftovers. He doesn't want to be second. He can't be second. Hear me, he can't be second. Malachi, uh, the scripture that we read last week says, you bring the blind and lame so I do not accept them. What is he saying? You bring the leftovers, but I want the first. In our life, uh, we get paid uh, every two weeks and it automatically gets like, take, you gotta go online. In fact, if you're I'm trying to learn to be a better giver, someone asked me the other week, are we gonna pass the buckets again? And I was like, no, that might be a bit much. Um, but I, I encourage you to go online. And we go online and we, we set it up through PushPay on, our, on uh, the bannerchurch.com and, and it goes out. We've always done that and God, God has always blessed that and, and we've, we've really tried um, to, to go above and beyond. We have missions organizations that we give to. And again, I, I know like it's, it's just the nature to, to judge other people. But let me tell you like, I mean, like we have lived off free healthcare and government benefits and like we made nothing when we lived in Seattle. And so I... 
we, we started, we're like, all right, we, we got to set it up and set it apart and do it first because I'm going to give it to something else. I'm talking important stuff like diapers. I'm not talking like, you know, new car. I'm talking like food, right? Like real stuff, like electricity. So I'm coming to you with reality here from our situation. I said, we go and put it first. But let's say I haven't gone online and designated that yet. And Katie goes to the grocery store and buys groceries. Am I going to be like, Katie, you cursed us. Like you have cursed us. We are under a curse. We're doomed. No, of course not, right? Of course not. I, I don't do that. Because that's legalism. And again, I don't, this is not a legalistic principle, and we do not serve a legalistic God. Follow me. This is not a principle about legalism. Because God is not legalistic. I'm not trying to coerce you with legalism. I'm trying to enrich you with the relationship of God that's rooted in your heart. It says, where is your heart? Because God knows your heart. God knows my heart. And the only person we trick when we don't put him first is us. Because God says, man, if, if I was first in your heart, see that everything would come into order. See that everything would be in order. This is the very last thing this morning. If you jump back to that, if you have Exodus 13 still open, after he shares about what to sacrifice, he says in verse 14, he says, and when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but of the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Scripture says one day your sons, your daughters, your children are going to ask you, why do you do this? Because it's unusual. It's unusual. Why do you, why do, you do this? And I heard this example, and I, I was praying for an example, and I heard this example, and it was everything. So imagine one day, you have a ranch, and you have cattle. I know you might not be cattle people, but stay with me. And one day, your son comes, and the son comes in, and he begins to look at the books, because he's going to take over. And he's just looking through the books, he's looking through the margin, and every month, he sees kind of these marks, in specific seasons, he sees these numbers, and he begins to flip through, and every year, he flips through, and every year, he's like... Oh, my goodness. And he's flipping through. And so he comes in and fathers, he sits you down and he says, Dad, listen, uh, I want to tell you how to live your life or how to do business because I just got out of college and I don't want to be that guy. But I, have, have you noticed at, as like a farm, uh, when we, one of our animals has another animal, you murder it. And I don't know if you know this about farming, but if you kill all of your animals, we're losing money. All right, you with me? And he says, Dad, why, why do you do this? I'm concerned. Mom's concerned. The kids are concerned. Why do you kill all the firstborn animals? And God says, look at your children. Look at your son. And the dad looks at his son and says, listen, you don't know this about our family. But we didn't always used to have this land. We didn't always used to have this cattle. We didn't always used to be farmers and ranchers. We were slaves. We were slaves. But the mighty hand of God rescued us out of our slavery 
And now everything you see here is his. And so I will gladly give back to God and bring in what belongs to him. This is a principle from thousands of years ago, but it's true in your life. Parents, hear me, that someday your kids, if you do this, if you live in alignment with this, your kid is going to ask you, Dad, why do you give this money? Mom, why do you give this money away? Why do you do this? Look at this check. Do you know how much we could buy with this? Do you know what we could get with this? I'm trying to get a car. You're telling me there's no money. There's money right here every month. Why do you do this? Just trying to support Pastor Josh? You're going to say, no, listen. We didn't always used to have this because we were slaves. Someday I'm going to look at my daughter and I'm going to say to her, and I can't wait to explain this to her. Listen, Lucy May, your dad used to be a slave. Your dad used to be enslaved to lust. Your dad used to be enslaved to anger. Your dad used to be enslaved to violence. Your dad used to be enslaved to sin. But the mighty hand of God rescued me from my slavery through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now I will gladly give back to him the first of all my increase. I will gladly give to him because I once was a slave. See, you don't know this, Lucy, but your dad was once a slave. Your mom was once a slave, but God freed us. And so we gladly give back to him whether we're wealthy or whether we're poor. We give back to him first because I could not save me. Only God could save me. And I will gladly sacrifice to him, not because he coerced me, but because I remember slavery and I know freedom and I gladly give it to him. Again, this is not about legalism. This is about enriching your life. For you were once a slave, but now you are free. And God is saying, do you really want to live in the freedom and walk in it? And if so, who's first in your life? It's not going to take away salvation if you don't do it. But his prayer is, would your heart respond to the salvation you've received by putting him first? And can I tell you, not about legalism, not about the wealth of your hands, but about your heart. He's asking today, who is first in your life? Because if you put me first, I'll bring order into your heart, into your life, with me. Do you want 100% out of order? Or do you want 90% in the order of Jesus Christ? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to do something together. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward and begin to hand out communion. This is a great step because I want us to remember, because I don't want you to be motivated by, by, a, by a feeling of conviction or, or, or harshness. I want you to be motivated by the love of Jesus. The choices you choose, that's your choice. That's you and the Lord. That's why we're here. You and God. That's you and the Lord. But one of the best ways we say in our heart, God, I put you first, regardless of what you decide to do with your wallet. But in this moment, you say, I put you first. One of the ways we do that is communion. So you guys could just begin to hand that out now. As you, as you receive this, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. You're going to hold that cup in your hands. We're going to open it and receive it in just a second. You can open it now if you want. You can begin getting one of these little wafers out. Awesome. As they're passing, I'm going to encourage you. We're going to receive this in just a moment. And as you're looking at those emblems, I know they're small. I know they're Dixie cup, you know, and Denny's creamer size. But they resemble something huge, and that's this. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. 
That's the salvation of Jesus Christ. It represents his body that was broken for you. It represents his blood that was spilled for you. Nothing that I preach about today is conditions of salvation, but they're expressions of it. So my prayer is, just like in this moment, as if you were speaking to your own kid, you would speak to your own heart and realize, for I was once a slave, but God has set me free. And my prayer is, God, let all that I do be motivated by your love. I don't want you to be coerced. I want you to be motivated by the love of Jesus Christ. So let's do this together. Would you hold that bread, this tiny little wafer in your hand? It says this in Scripture. Paul tells uh, the church of Corinthians, he says, what was given to me I now pass on to you, Jesus, on the night that he was to be betrayed, took the bread in his hand and said, this is my body which will be broken for you. And he invites us to receive together of his body that was broken, that he was the first fruit. While we were still beating him, mocking him, crucifying him, and his body was broken, he was God's tithe for us that redeemed the rest. Let's receive this together. The second thing is this little grape juice that we have here. It stands for the, the wine that Jesus held and declared his blood. And he said, this do in remembrance of me declaring my death until the day that, that he comes. And I encourage you that when you see this, it's a small cup, this tiny cup, but the cup of Jesus was poured out for you to cover your sins. 2 Corinthians 5 says that when God looks at you, he no longer sees your sins. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ because by his blood, the old is gone, the new has come. So in this moment, I just want you to take a second and look at this. Maybe you gotta close your eyes and focus on him and just ask yourself, this is the blood of Jesus that was poured out for me that God came first, Jesus came first. Ask yourself in your heart right now, Jesus, are you first in my life? In your heart, really ask, Jesus, are you first? Are you first in my life? Don't feel condemned if you say he's not. This is, this is a good, this means you're supposed to be here for a reason, to have a good reset and good renewing, to feel encouraged and strengthened. That if he's not, all you have to say this morning is God, I put you first. God, speak to my heart wherever you're not first. Jesus says, receive of the cup and remember the blood that was spilled for you. Let's receive together. I'm going to pray for you this morning. If that's you, would you just close your eyes, bow your heads with me? If you're saying this morning, really, really simply, with every eye closed and every head bowed, you're saying, I need to put Jesus first in my life. Your life, I'm not specifying finances, so don't feel like if you lift your head, you're condemned here. But I just want to say, if you're saying this morning, every eye closed, every head, but I need to put Jesus for the first time. I've never put him first in my life, and I choose to follow him. I'm going to put him first in my life. Would you lift your hand up and put Jesus first in my life? Amen. Amen. Second thing, every eye closed, every head bowed this morning. If you're saying, I know Jesus, but I feel like there's some areas that I haven't put him first. And so this morning, I'm just praying, God, give me the faith and the strength amidst my storm and my life to put you first. Give me the strength and he will. He'll give that to you. He'll build that faith in your heart. If you're saying that this morning, God, give me the faith and the strength to put you first. Would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Jesus, you see all these hands in this place. 
You see all the hands in this church, and God, we glorify you. And I say right now, build the faith of every person here that says, God, I want to put you first. Maybe there's been seasons where you're really first in our life, but there's been seasons right now where we're struggling. And so, God, we just say, we, we repent of everything. We lay it down to you, and we say thank you for your love, that your mercies are new every day. And we just say, God, would you give us the strength and the faith and build our faith this week to put you first. God, first in our family, first in our hearts, first in our finances, first over everything, because we want the alignment that comes with you. And so, God, we just invite you this morning. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to fill us anew, to fill us fresh this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.